0: The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to your tech report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marka Flalo for the next hour of your tech report. And we
2: invite you to do so on uh, so many ways to get in touch with us, Mitchell. On Twitter, it is at your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report. Of course, uh-huh. our email address is oh my god, you look exhausted. Our email address is contact at <laughs> And of course, if you want to head over to the website, it is YourTechReport.com. Oh, YouTube, YouTube. slash your tech. Mitchell, your tech report. Mitchell, you look. Mitchell and I see each other. We record the show. We we do these things on Skype so that we can see each other and and work yeah. off each other. But you look physically, emotionally drained. Drained. You were exhausted, exhausted on this week, weren't you? You went to San Diego again.
3: You know what? And when people hear San Diego, they immediately think of probably the most beautiful weather. Maybe the most beautiful weather in all of North America, but at least in the States, definitely. I know there's some great places to visit in Canada that have gorgeous weather all year round. San Diego's absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. It's always comfortable and beautiful. But when you're going there for Comic Con, and you know, I said this a long time ago, Mark. There are some. I'm so happy that San Diego has kept Comic Con because we all know, we've talked about this on the air, how important that convention is. It is the biggest Comic Con in North America. Oh yeah. And how important for the for the San Diego economy. We know it's a port town, but Comic Con is such a huge influx of income for that city. So I'm happy for them. At the same time. I wish they'd expand, if they could, their convention center, because it's almost like this event has outgrown the venue a little bit. It is so cramped with humanity, but at the same time, so much fun. And, Mark, I'm going to have a YouTube video. So, as Mark gave you that information, you know, your tech report. You know, YouTube.com YouTube. slash, slash your tech, tech report. report, yeah. I only hear it a million times a day. I should know it, right? Um, I'm going to be posting a video with my... With my Funko haul, and to give you a little look at what it was like to sort of like uh, walk around Comic Con, but also more specifically what I was able to get from the Funko booth. Because I'm really excited; they have so many exclusives. I, I I can't wait to share them with you.
2: Now you're just getting back. I haven't seen any of your footage yet, though. But this is one of these things when when we're producing videos that I can I can tell there's going to be a lot of a lot of time lapses and speed up shots just to watch the mayhem and the craziness that ensues. I mean, you're surrounded by 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 cosplay, lots of people in costume. So many merchants. I mean, that Funko booth alone is just you could probably spend hours at that Funko booth with Mark Robbins. So uh, I'm sure you had a, a wonderful time, didn't you?
3: A wonderful time, and it, you know that the show has also changed so much. Mark, it used to be just basically a comic convention back in the day. Then it became pop culture, and then because of the proximity of San Diego to Los Angeles, it became a major place for movies to be announced, new TV shows to be announced, for the actors to come and do well, panels. So it's so much more than pop culture now. It's really encompasses everything in the entertainment world, even gaming. It's amazing.
2: No, I know it's, and you mentioned that you mentioned like you know movies and all the reveals and the different panels they do. I mean, it's also because a lot of uh, the movies and the really good movies these days really have these these cross-references to comics and or are just like Marvel and DC and just the, uh, Disney, the Disney owning the Star Wars franchise, you know? It just makes <laughs> yeah. sense for them to be at Comic-Con just because of the topic matter.
3: And to give you an idea of how the industry has transitioned so much to social feedback and social media feedback, it used to be that they would they would test movies and TV shows, you know, the typical way that they test with either Nielsen families once they're out, or beforehand they do screenings, test screenings for different sample market audiences. Now they base a lot of what they're doing with TV and film – on the reaction that they get at Comic-Con, yeah. what kind of reaction? And I also want to throw one last thing in there. I know we don't have a lot of time. There's a company that I met with, that I got a hands-on demo with. I, I had an appointment. It's a company called Recoil. Recoil, if you, people can look it up online, they're making basically live action laser tag with real, you know, these great digital weapons that you can use that oh, so your cool. cell phone attaches to on the side in a cradle to give you an augmented reality game with actual oh, you know, wow. digital weapons and your phone. It's so much fun. We're going to be having them on the show. They're sending us some review units. It is an absolute blast, pun intended.
2: This is your Tech Report. I am Mark Aflalo. He is Mitchell Whitfield, exhausted from Comic-Con. We've got a <laughs> great show lined up today. We are going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk to our good friends over at Waze. If you have not used their app yet for traveling, Mitchell, I'm sure you use Waze when you are driving to San Diego. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk all about the summer enhancements that come to that app. Lithium Cycles is a new favorite of ours. Um, very, very, very cool. Very, very cool interview coming up. Um, plus, Smart Nora, if you have someone or a loved one that snores near you or if you happen to have been in a hotel room with Mitchell years uh-huh. ago at CES, oh, you'll never live it down. Um, and uh, <laughs> head over to YouTube, youtube.com slash yourtechreport. If you, if you missed it this week, Mitchell did this very cool Five things you may not have known about Apple Watch Series 2. And I kind of threw this at him. I said, you know what, Mitchell? We're going to give away an Apple Watch Series 2. So if you want in on that giveaway, you have to go. To youtube.com slash your tech report. Of course, you can go to yourtechreport.com or our Twitter account, you know, twitter.com slash your We'll link everything there. But go to youtube.com slash your tech report. You're going to see our, our Mitchell's incredible, you know, five things you may have missed or you may not have known about the Apple Watch 2. Plus, you can get in on that giveaway. We're going to be running it for the next, what, 10 days, two weeks or so kind of thing, Mitchell? I think, yeah, I
3: think two weeks. We're going to run this a little longer because it's, uh, you know, people like these giveaways. We want to give them as much of a chance as we can.
2: There are many ways for you to enter again. YouTube.com slash yourtechreport report This is your tech report. We're going to take a quick break and come back with a very cool interview with Waze's channel manager, Mike Wilson. Stick around.
0: There's more your tech report after this. Welcome back to your tech report.
2: Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Marka Flallow and Mitchell Whitfield with you. Follow along on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. And, of course, our YouTube channel, Mitchell. YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report. Summer is a time for road trips. I'm heading on one tomorrow. I'm heading down to Boston. And I wouldn't go anywhere without Waze for real-time information, planning purposes. There's a whole slew of new features. And here to talk more about this is Waze Country Manager, mike wilson mike welcome to your first edition of your tech report how are you
4: great thanks for having me looking forward to it
2: mike as we talked about off air uh you know we've had megan kelleher on many a time i know she's left the company now so so it's it's up to you to now pick up that torch um at least <laughs> for this interview and 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 take it to where we've you know never gone before our listeners are big fans of ways Summer's a big time because there's lots of people who are doing road trips i as i said i'm going on one tomorrow tell us You know, first of all, for our listeners who don't know what Waze is, what would would your kind of elevator pitch be as to what the service is? Because it's way more than just a navigation app.
4: For sure. I mean, listen, I guess we all know kind of traffic is a universal problem, especially in Canada as well. But, you know, we yeah, Waze sort of believe that we can work together to really outsmart it. So uh, Waze is a free uh, crowdsourced GPS navigation app whose mission is to save you five minutes every single day. Obviously, sometimes it's going to save you an hour, sometimes it's going to save you 20 minutes, whatever it may be. Um, But the goal is really to get you from A to B as quickly and as efficiently as possible. So Waze pulls in real-time data for millions of drivers on the road and updates your map in real-time around construction, hazards, road closures, police presence, whatever it may be. Um, to get you, you know, to your end destination as fast as possible.
2: You know, it's funny. Uh, funny when I, I was in the car uh, last week. Actually, I was in uh, Winnipeg, and uh, a friend of mine was using Google Maps or something. I said, "You got to switch." He goes, "I normally use Waze. I don't know why I didn't use it." And he ignored some of the directions Waze was giving him. And and I told him, I said, "That is mistake number one. Never ignore <laughs> the directions that Waze gives you because there's a reason behind it. Even if you think you know where you're going, even if you're wondering why it's taking you some back route, it always inevitably when you don't." Don't listen is when it ends up costing you more time and when you do listen you're like oh wait a second just that just saved me 10 minutes
4: exactly there's, there's definitely a reason for all the alerts and for the route that it's giving you even though it may not seem to be the most direct route it will be the fastest route you know i i've second guessed it and tried to beat it a few times and i work for ways and every time i lose <laughs> um so you, you definitely you definitely can't beat the system it seems
2: Okay, so, so let, let's talk about some of the new features because this is one of the fun things about, you know, being involved in an app is that you have this opportunity to, to always add new features and always develop and really kind of almost reinvent yourself every once in a while. And this is what Waze really does. I find that almost every quarter there's new features and, and new things to look forward to. So for people who are heading out on the road, like I'm heading out to Boston tomorrow, and I, I promise I will have Waze running the entire time. What are some of the features this summer that we can look forward to that we can use?
4: Sure. So there's a, there's a few new features and ones that are just kind of recently rolled out, which we we highly recommend. Um, you know, the first one I would say is Plan Drives, which is relatively new, probably about two or three months old. Um, but this basically allows you to sync Ways with your calendar, and it will give you a notification of when it's time to leave. So, for example, if you have a meeting at 2 p.m., uh, you might get a push notification from Waze at 1:15 saying, you know, leave by 1:30 because traffic is light and it's only going to take you, you know, half an hour to get there. Um, so really great for people with you know meetings and flights and things like that just to know when they need to head to the airport or to that meeting or get in the car or hop on the subway, whatever it may be.
2: And on the flip, um, on the flip side of that, it also will help you if you don't realize there's a traffic jam coming up and there's no other way to get there. It's going to tell you ahead of time, like, you better leave now because otherwise you might miss your flight.
4: Exactly. I mean, on a drive that you think might take half an hour, if there's an accident on the highway or whatever you need, it might end up being an hour drive or even longer. Um so Waze is going to give you that notification in advance and let you know when you need to, to leave based on real-time traffic conditions.
2: So, you know, the other feature that I really like is is parking because this has gone a whole, I mean, parking was not even a feature quite some time ago, and then it slowly kind of dev- evolved in the app. Can you talk about how it works?
4: Sure. So we have partnerships with a, a whole bunch of different parking companies um, to really get a sense of um, all, mapping out all the parking lot locations at your end destination. Um, so you know, beyond the fact that Wage is going to kind of save the spot of where you park so that the next time you open up the app and you come back to your car, you do know, you forget your spot and you're at, you know, Yorkdale Mall or something like that, for example, um, there's that piece. But there's also just suggesting parking lots around your end destination. So whether it's the Air Canada Center or the airport or, you know, your office, whatever it may be, Wage is going to give you a whole bunch of different parking lot locations in and around that area to kind of help you navigate and help you find sort of the, the quickest way to get into that building. Now
2: the, we get you know emails a lot from our listeners, and and one of one you know lives in I think it was somewhere near Toronto, and uh, was asking about the whole cross border you know traveling to the U.S. I mean because Waze is crowdsourced, it, it really does have a giant footprint. How does that work seamlessly for people? For example, I'm traveling to Boston tomorrow, uh, and it's cross border. Um, you count for like, border wait times and things like that as well.
4: Uh, I don't believe that that border wait times are involved. Though that's a great idea. So um, add that to the list. For Credit for mark. Team. <laughs> um, so border wait times won't be in there, but it's going to be a seamless experience once you get over the border. I mean, Waze operates in um, you know almost every country in the world. Uh, so driving from you know uh, Canada into the US, you're not even going to notice a change or any difference. Um, the only thing you might want to do is update your map to be you know miles instead of kilometers and yeah, things exactly. like that. Um, but all the speed limits, all the features are the same. All the alerts are the same. Uh, you know, All the integrations and, and tests that are out there that are running are the same. So it's a, you won't even notice a difference when you get over the border.
2: Now, let's talk about some of the other features, one of which was um, the uh, ETA, which is a newer one.
4: Yeah, this is a great one. So um, it really allows you to share your ETA with friends or family members. Um, and it's also part of a safety feature because it actually removes the need to have to sort of text while drive. An example of this is that, you know, if I'm driving home and it's, you know, 5.30 on a Monday afternoon, um, instead of, you know, having to text my wife while I drive or she's saying, you know, where are you or when are you home? I can actually share my drive with her on Waze so that she can follow me along on the map to see where I am and what my ETA is.
2: Oh, that actually works in real time?
4: It works in real time. Oh, that's brilliant. Obviously, it's an an opt-in experience. You can't just follow around any of your friends or, you know, colleagues on the map and see where they are at any given time. The person has to share the drive with you. That's Um, awesome. Another great example is, you know, people heading up to the cottage and they're in multiple cars, um, but being able to kind of share your ETA so everyone knows where each other are on the highway and things like that.
2: You see, that's something I didn't know. I thought that the ETA was just kind of like a quick text saying, hey, I'll be there at this time. But I didn't realize you can actually share that real time information, which is really cool, especially within family members. I'm going to have to start tagging my wife.
4: Yeah, exactly. So she can she can follow you on the map and see sort of, you know, follow your commute home.
2: I love that. So what are the, some of the other ones? I know those, the Find Gas feature is something do doer as well.
4: Find Gas is a great feature that, that we've recently launched as well, and you can actually select kind of what, uh, what gas station you're loyal to. Um, so if you're you know, a Petro member versus Esso versus yeah. Shell or whoever it may be, or Ultramar, um, you can kind of pick your favorite gas station and have that, have that uh, notify you on the, on the map itself. Um, you can also get gas prices, um, which are all completely crowdsourced as well, so you can see the cheapest gas that's around you. Um, so that's a, a very popular feature. Obviously, being with a one hundred percent driving audience, you know, fuel is of uh, of the utmost yeah, exactly. utmost uh, importance to our users. Um, we've also just recently launched an integration with Spotify, which we're very excited about. Tell uh, us. So this is launched on Android only for right now, and iOS is currently in the works. Um, but being able to control your Spotify playlists and your music without ever having to leave the Waze app.
2: So that's you see that's actually more brilliant than you can imagine because I I know I have this experience and I I, I have a Volkswagen so and I, I, my primary driver is my iOS device is I find the struggle sometimes balancing between listening to my radio versus listening uh, to the directions from Waze so I, I sometimes it interrupts over Bluetooth etc cetera, etc cetera. but being able to use a streaming service like that while using the app makes it even more seamless.
4: Absolutely. And it kind of goes in connection with each other, right? Like the two apps play very well together in terms of our audience and and the need for it. So, you know, especially as you mentioned with summer and people heading out on road trips and family vacations, um, this is a feature that's been requested by our users for, you know, years and years that that we're excited to launch.
2: So here I'm going to ask you a follow up question to that, which you may or may not have the answer to. Um, Is Spotify one of the first of others maybe to come?
4: Uh, it's definitely the test case uh so there's there's certainly other things that are in the works um nothing nothing to be formally announced right now but that that's certainly the idea is Understood. you know what other what other apps, programs, you know, software and functionalities make sense for us to, to partner with and, and provide a valuable service to our users?
2: Mike, sometimes not getting the answer to the questions I have is almost as good as having an answer. Um, <laughs> the, can, another feature I want you to really kind of elaborate is, is the personal voice recorder. Um, can, can you really kind of describe where this came from uh, concept-wise and, and what the use case is today?
4: Uh, sure. So, you know, we do a lot of custom voices on the app with um, certain celebrities like Morgan Freeman and yeah. Stephen Colbert and, you know, they're you know, big uh, big celebrity voices, athletes, things like that.
2: I've used um, the, the Cars. The Cars one was uh, up there last week and I remember using the guys from, from Top Gear or the, whatever their new show is called.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, right now, for example, you can use Owen Wilson's voice of uh, Lightning McQueen for Disney's Cars 3 and so you can actually change your car to Lightning McQueen as well and have him um, actually voice your navigation. Um, which is a really cool experience. So people love to kind of customize and personalize ways, everything from like the voice, um, you know, what car they're driving, whether they want to avoid, you know, highways, avoid toll roads, things like that, you know, the colors of their map, everything on Waze is completely customizable and pers- personalizable. Um, and so people are really excited about that feature. One of the ones that people had been requesting was the ability to record, record their, either their own voice or anybody's voice that they want and actually use that to kind of direct them on their route. Cool. So now that feature is available. Um, so people, you know, personally, I don't like the sound of my own voice and I wouldn't want, you know, <laughs> to be, I wouldn't want to listen to myself saying, you know, turn right in 200 meters, but to have my kids do it or my wife or something, that is a little bit more exciting. And, you know, to have my son be all she, you know, direct me on my route would be, you know, make that, that drive a little bit more enjoyable and, or that Monday morning commute, uh, you know, less miserable, I guess.
2: How does a feature actually work? So you go—I guess you go into kind of describe the you know the way you actually program it. Do you go to you see a list of different commands, and you just record your voice for those specific commands.
4: Exactly. There's about forty or fifty kind of prompts that the the system will kind of ask you to record. Um, and there's everything from you know turn right in two hundred meters to you know hazard up ahead things like that that are kind of standard within the app. You can also kind of customize it and personalize it a little bit to kind of make it your own. Um, which is exactly what some of our celebrity voices have done. But there's, you know, there's about 40 or 50 prompts that you need to follow um, that are very kind of specific to the app and, and things that they will notify you about.
2: That's very cool. So, I can I can see myself just playing a couple jokes on my wife and just doing one or two of them, and she wouldn't even know when they're coming up, and it would scare her.
4: I guess at the end of the day, there's nobody monitoring what you're recording for yourself, so you could uh, you could change it around as you like, or change the language, or you know play around with it yourself. I guess.
2: You know, Mike, one of the things I love I love about Waze just kind of in general is that it gives you a feeling that even if you're on the road alone, that you're not on the road alone. Like there's some kind of companion there with you, and and it gives you an idea of the people in the area, and it also helps you realize how big of a community you guys have created in this app. Because there are so many Wazers. I mean, it says right then and there when you when you plan a drive or when you go for a drive, so, so many people are in the area. Uh, area. What, what is the community at now,
4: size-wise? Uh, so, we, we don't share sort of our, our national numbers, okay. um, just being a public company. I can give you kind of Toronto specifically, if, they, if that would help. Yeah, um, we, I'm curious. We're just over 420,000 drivers in the GTA, That's insane. Um, and in, to give you an example, in May, they drove a collective 125 million kilometers. Um, so an average of about 400 kilometers per driver. That's great. And, and they're, they're spending about 10 hours per month within the app. So really phenomenal engagement time. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we've seen close to 100% growth nationally year over year. Um, and we expect that for, for 2017 as well. So, you know, you kind of mentioned the importance of the community and that, that's exactly true. I mean, our data and the map itself and um, the functionality and the accuracy of the map is only as good as our users because yeah. they're the ones actually providing the data and, you know, the, the, the whole idea of commuters helping commuters. Um, so being able to keep our, our audience happy and our community happy um, is of the utmost importance to us. Um, and even if you look at the way we sort of build our maps, um, you know, it's 100% crowdsourced. And we have over 400,000 volunteer map editors around the world um, who spend their free time updating the map, ensuring its accuracy, changing, um, you know, Illegal left-hand turns or road closures because Trudeau's coming to town or whatever it may be um, to ensure like a a strong user experience for everybody else out there.
2: And that's something I want to mention too is that um, you guys work very closely with different municipalities and cities and, and public safety so that when things like that happen, whether it be closures for a giant concert or marathons, et cetera, et cetera, trust the way's directions because you guys are working closely with those people to make sure that it's as accurate as possible.
4: Exactly. So beyond the actual community of volunteers who are providing these kind of closure information and, you know, ensuring that their piece of the map is updated, we have what's called our Connected Citizens Program. And that's exactly, as you mentioned, kind of a partnership between Waze and municipal governments. Uh, so Montreal, Winnipeg, Oakville, Metrolinks, um, you know, we've had some, some talks with the City of Toronto as well, um, and a whole, you know, 250 others around the world are partners of ours. And essentially, it's just a free exchange of data, where Waze is actually providing them with um, traffic information and driver information, so that the city can actually input that into their traffic management system. And it really allows them to adjust everything from the timing of traffic lights um, to help sort of ease congestion, to rerouting fire trucks, ambulances, sending their garbage trucks on the most efficient route. Um, you know, Washington D.C. just did something called Pothole Palooza, where they asked all Waze drivers to report on every pothole. And then they sent out their repair crews on the most efficient route to then have those all repaired. So it's saving them time, money, gas, all things like that, um, and making the cities basically a a smarter city. That's brilliant. I love it. And from from the way standpoint, from the cities, we get sort of advanced notifications on closures. So if there's you know certain marathons that are happening, and there's a whole bunch of different you know charity bike rides and things like that, they're going to have the roads closed or. Santa Claus Parade or Trudeau's coming to town, whatever it may be, um, we get that, we get notified in advance so we can update the map in real time to ensure that we're not sending users, you know, across a parade route or whatever it may be um, to ensure the most accurate drive and the fastest drive.
2: You guys must be having a field day with Montreal this summer.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that city is is not an easy city to drive in to begin with, but with all the construction that's going on, it's... uh, it's certainly been a, a very busy market for us.
2: Yeah, there, there are roads that uh, that uh, have popped out of nowhere that never existed before, just to reboot people around roads that they've just randomly torn <laughs> down on the weekend. It's kind of fun. It's a challenge well, maybe, every time we uh, go out. The
4: biggest benefits of the app, right? <laughs> exactly. Take <laughs> like you on roads you probably didn't even know existed, or that you would never think to drive on, and um, and really, you know, ease congestion in other areas.
2: Okay, Mike, before I let you go, I have to ask you the question that is on top of everybody's mind, which is um, integration with things like Android Auto and CarPlay. I know because of the whole the Google-Apple thing. Let's focus on Android Auto. Are we going to see this soon?
4: Absolutely. So it's in beta test right now. Um, I don't have an exact date for you, but sometime this summer it will be fully released um, for all users very cool. um, on Android Auto. So we're very excited about that. They're kind of just going through the final stages of testing right now. Um, but it's, it's looking very good and, and very excited. And, uh, you know, the team is working on, on the CarPlay partnership as well.
2: Awesome. Mike Wilson, Waze Country Manager for Canada. Thank you for sharing this. You know, we'd love to have you on again in a couple months to talk about, obviously, when Android Auto comes out. And obviously, you guys have so many updates. As I said, having an app is kind of fun because you really get to change the landscape, change so many things about it over time that it makes it an exciting you know, project to kind of rebuild over and over again.
4: Absolutely. We're constantly changing and we're releasing new versions basically every three weeks. So there's there's new features coming out all the time. So we're very excited about what's to come.
2: Mike Wilson, Ways Country Manager for Canada, thank you for joining
4: us. Thank you for having me.
2: Still to come, a very cool company based in Toronto with a Kickstarter campaign that ended about six months ago. They've been delivering on time and they are here to cure your snoring. They are called Smart Nora and we will speak to their founder and CEO after this break.
0: There's more Your Tech Report after this. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report.
2: I am Marco Flallow in Montreal, as always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Follow along with us on Twitter. You can do that by going to Your Tech Report. slash Your Tech Report is another way to do it. Plus, if you want to check out some of our cool videos, including our giveaways, it's on YouTube.com Your Tech Report.
3: Uh, now, Mark, Uh, i'm very excited about this next interview and i I think you have an idea why don't you
2: um i i do have an idea why and i'm kind of torn between how to introduce our next guest so rather than trying to figure out some really nifty way let's let's introduce baruz hariri who is the founder and ceo or the co-founder and ceo of toronto smart nora baruz welcome to your tech report we're very excited to have you today for many many reasons
5: thank you glad to be here
2: now now baruz you know if there was a product in the world that I've ever laid my eyes on or ever heard of that I ever thought that I could ever be the perfect spokesperson for. I think this has got to be it hands down. I think my wife would agree. I think Mitchell would agree. I, I, and, and I need you to tell our listeners. Okay. Before we even get into the details and before Mitchell gives you some horrific graphical stories of experiences in hotel rooms with me, tell everybody what smart Nora is.
5: All right, so uh, you set the bar high, so I'm going to see what I can, what I can do. Um, so Smart Nora is the world's most comfortable snoring solution. And we say that very proudly, uh, as the snorers ourselves, we all dealt with kind of the common solutions of the mouth and the chin straps and um, whatever else is on the market that is typically very uncomfortable. And uh, we have the benefit of uh, the inventor of Nora being a snorer himself, so the least sacrifice from the snorer is kind of what the, the whole idea was behind the, the product. Um, so yeah. the way we came across this idea and kind of evolved it into this product today is uh, Ali, who is the inventor uh, and the mechanical engineer, basically um, found that, you know, nudging the pillow of a partner is one of the most humane ways to reduce <laughs> the snoring, uh, except nobody has the patience to stay up all night and, and keep doing that. And his immediate thought was, well, I can have a microphone that picks up the snoring and does the does the motion for me. So that's where kind of the seed of it all was. It was really a homegrown 3 a.m. 3 a.m. kind of idea.
3: And, and, and Bruce, I got to tell you, snoring is one of these things that for a lot of people, it's, you know, it's an ugly little secret. A lot of people don't like to talk about it. And it, it does cause a lot of problems with relationships. relationships. Uh, so this is a big deal. A product like this can help a lot of people, myself included, because having shared a hotel room at uh, at CES one year with Mark, I can tell you the sound next to me, which sounded like two buffaloes making love in the bed next to me. That's something that people should not have to deal with on a nightly basis.
5: True. I mean, uh, 40% of general population have snoring, which means 80% of population deal with snoring. Um, So in that sense, we are very lucky to kind of be working on a problem that is uh, so widespread. So it makes, makes our job a little easier.
3: And you talk about, you know, non-invasive solutions and there, there are many solutions for snoring and a lot of, like you said, there are surgical solutions which are quite invasive. Even the, the oral applications that are designed by dentists and different, do, you know, ENT doctors to, that are supposed to stay in your mouth and those can be very uncomfortable as well. So really what you're saying is this, this is, has nothing like that. This is a gentle nudge. Now, Talk about what comes in the kit, because you have a device that goes under the pillow, am I correct? And you have another sensor that senses the noise, right?
5: That's correct. So actually, the, the best way to see is we have a short and funny video on our website, smartnora.com. But basically, described it correctly, it's uh, two pieces. One piece that has no electronics, and it's just an inflatable piece that goes under your pillow. And this is another big differentiator for us. We let people keep their own favorite pillow, because those are really hard to come by. Um, When you find the pillow that's the perfect fit for you, you should do whatever you can to keep it. Um, So it inserts under whatever pillow you have. And then the other piece is kind of a pebble shape. It's in the palm of your hand. Uh, We made an effort to design it to be aesthetically also pleasing and can't fit in any bedroom and not look out of place. There's a white pebble shape that is the microphone and the brains are in there. That's where we detect the snoring. And once we detect the snoring, we inflate the piece under your pillow, create a very small uh, kind of slow motion, and that's the trick. We've kind of optimized it to do as little motion as needed to actually create the stimulation in the in the throat uh, to open the airway and uh, bring your breathing back to normal breathing without the sound of snoring.
2: Now, what has what the success rate been um, for people who have used, so obviously, Smart aura?
5: So one thing actually we say, we say we are the honest, storing solution company. Uh, We don't claim 100% because that would be very unrealistic. There are companies who claim that based on very limited studies, but at this point we have more than 20,000 NORAs in the world and based on the results of real users in real bedrooms, we know it's more than 80% successful.
2: That's impressive. That's extremely impressive. I mean, it, it, it's. I like your approach and being honest like that because, as you said, you know, people nobody can claim 100 you know accuracy with whether it would be absolutely anything. Um, talk about the 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 crowdfunding because this launch as a Kickstarter campaign that had enormous success. What kind of reaction do you have as a you know co-founders of this company and and developers of this company? What was the feeling when you realized that this was obviously a home run?
5: Well it was I think leading up to it we had different levels of ambition. Um then we were putting the campaign together. Uh but there were a few signs here and there. Right? the reason actually we decided we should dedicate our time was um as product designers, one of our jobs was to be skeptical of our own ideas. So we put it to the test very early on. We gave the prototype to uh friends and family friends and after one week they didn't want to give it back. We like, right, so <laughs> that's One validation. Yep, definitely. Uh, Second thing was you enter any room and ask people to tell you a story about snoring, you always get something, Um, and that's kind of just anecdotally validates that 40% of people actually uh, deal with this. So I think we we were much more confident towards the timeline as we were going to launch the campaign, Uh, but getting 840,000 dollars funded in 30 days was kind of the biggest vote of confidence that we should do it. And it's been actually very, uh, it's kind of very different to be able to find a solution for where people who are going to use it, And then they were the engine for now another 20,000 people or more, uh, to end up having the same solution in their bedroom.
2: Yeah, it's always great to have a vote of confidence like that from a user base who you know are going to use your product right away. I mean, one of the other things when people mention crowdfunding these days is people are a little bit skeptical because a lot of products have raised a lot of money and not necessarily made it to people's hands. But you guys have been shipping successfully for how long? For about a year now? Uh,
5: So we've actually been shipping for six months. So the product is pretty pretty new.
2: So if someone goes Uh, to the... Sorry, go ahead.
5: Yeah, we did our crowdfunding about a, basically more than a year and a half ago now. And then we took the one year exactly to develop for manufacturing and ship. So we shipped on Christmas for our, uh, our Kickstarter backers.
3: One of the things that people look at when they look at devices like this, anything, any sort of sleep aid, they look, they talk about portability and how portable is it? Something you could take with you because a lot of people, obviously, they don't want to be snoring on vacation on the road, but you really address this. I mean, the whole system comes with a portable case, right? So this is very easy to take with you wherever you go, isn't it?
5: That's correct. So uh, the whole idea of actually folding the piece that goes under the pillow was what enabled us to do this. And like you said, uh, even for shipping purposes, it's, you know, people have to pay less for uh, for shipping uh, because it's a smaller package compared to, for example, sending people a whole pillow. Um, and then the other nice thing about it is that it's uh, battery-powered, so for a whole night, if you happen to not have uh, power close by, you can use it just on battery. And what we've, we've heard some amazing stories of people who Finally went to uh, on a cruise because now they could just afford to get one cabin and before they couldn't get any sleep or they went on vacation because now they can afford to just get one hotel room and be fine. Um, so those are those are real gems when you when you hear those
2: stories. Listen, I'm looking forward to just sleeping in my own bed for once. So that, that that would be an improvement. But I think my wife is going to get kind of angry because she I think she enjoys beating me up and having a reason to do so. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Every night we'll it seems to be her, she's like, oh, we'll you have, have a bruise there. Things
2: to think about. <laughs> um, so, so $299 price point. Uh, the website is smartnoro.com. Um, how is manufacturing going right now? If I go out and order one right now, when will I get that?
5: When you order it, we dispatch it the same night, and you get it between three to five days later.
2: That's phenomenal! I cannot wow, wait because uh, because my wife has been poking me literally and painfully uh, to try and find some kind of solution. <laughs> because like most snorers, I've used you know CPAP machines, and I find it very uncomfortable to sleep with. I've tried all the oral appliances, and the same thing. It's just it's 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 harder to fall asleep. I find when using some of these devices. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to getting my hands on. And I I wanted to thank you for sharing your story with us.
5: Thanks for having us. We look forward to getting your
2: feedback. I oh, Trust me, you will get my feedback. I promise you 100%. Uh, Baru Sariri, the CEO and co-founder of uh, Toronto's Smart Nora. This is Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flallow. He is Mitchell Whitfield. We're going to take a quick break and come back with a very cool company that's designed an electronic bicycle that I promise is going to make your eyes just light up. It's called Lithium Cycles, and they're with us next here on Your Tech Report.
0: There's more Your Tech Report after this. Welcome back to your tech report.
2: Welcome back to your tech report. Marco Flalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you. On Twitter, we are at your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report, and of course YouTube.com slash your tech report. You know, Mark, it wasn't that long ago that we featured our first
3: e-bike review, right? And as our listeners probably already know, and for those that don't know, this actually came about, my curiosity, my my e-bike curiosity came about because of some injuries that I had that didn't allow me to actually ride a bike anymore the way I was used to riding a bike. So I started looking into e-bikes. And if you guys look online, you look on Amazon, you will see literally hundreds of different companies that are making e-bikes. That are, And it's hard to pick which is the right one for you. But it wasn't that long ago, Mark, that I came across something online that kind of blew me away. Uh, it's a company called Lithium Cycles, and they are doing an e I don't even want to call it an e bike because it doesn't do it justice. Uh, they are doing something so different, so unique looking, and so unique performing that we wanted to have the co-founder of the company, Michael Canavo, on the line with us. Michael, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. So before we start, talk a little bit about Lithium Cycles and what you guys do.
1: Yeah. So at uh, at Lithium Cycles, we are uh, aiming to create really cool and, uh, you know, fashion, almost fashion and design oriented um, electric tech vehicles. Yeah,
3: and if you look, and again, people can go to lithiumcycles.com, and they can actually see what we're talking about. You guys put out a, a really cool, and the best way to describe it is, and being, you know, growing, you know, being born in the 60s and growing up in the 70s, it, it harkened back the second I saw the Super mm-hmm. 73, which is the bike that you guys, this brilliant-looking bike. It looks like a dirt bike from the 70s, and that was the whole idea, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, John, our co-founder and engineer, um, had one growing up. He had a gas-powered minibike. Um, and, you know, we were actually, as a company, we were creating these uh, industrial electric carts. And, and you know, it was going well. It was just business-to-business business kind, of, kind of production. Um, and we thought, over the weekend, we thought, well, what if we did something kind of fun? You know, what if we just created a one-off? Three days later, John had literally hand-built a prototype of what he was envisioning. Um, we rode it around. We loved it. We thought, this thing is like, is extremely fun. It's nostalgic, but it's also powerful. Uh, it had a thousand watt motor, which was, you know, way more than most e-bikes were, were, were using at the time. So it was, uh, it was a kick for sure. Uh, we thought, Hey, what if we threw this on Kickstarter, you know, maybe just sold 15, 20. we thought maybe we can, you know, have a little bit of fun, just knock out a cool project and move on. Uh, 30 days later, we had raised almost half a million dollars. And uh, realized, shoot, like this is probably what we need to be pursuing.
2: <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing the Kickstarter stories. Um, you know, they they used to be very, 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 not few and far between, but they used to be very, very rampant, so many of them. And now, Mm -hmm. when you land on one that really has success like this, you pay more attention because the products coming out nowadays on Kickstarter, just like you guys, are really, really unique and really blow people apart. What was your reaction when you saw the growth of that campaign?
1: Yeah, you know, we we knew Kickstarter backers had had gotten smart. Um, You know, in the beginning, it was everybody was throwing out these crazy ideas and most of them weren't even ever being fulfilled, so we knew, hey, if we're going to do this, we want to make sure this is done right. So through our branding, through our, you know, our presence, through the story that we told, we wanted to seem genuine and show people, like, hey, we're we really want to do this, like, let's let's do it. Um, and so, you know, just by connecting with their, uh, I guess, their emotional side rather than straight tech side, we were able to, you know, um, captivate that audience.
3: And, and you know we talk about you know the the success rate the failure rate of some of these Kickstarter campaigns, but talking about your success and lithium cycles and the super 73, when you, when you're looking among your co-founders and I think it's Aaron, Alex, John and yourself, correct? Perfect. And and you guys, you guys did something. And I think this is really the key to any company that has success. The people behind the products that they're making have to have a passion and a love for what they're doing. And I think when you talk about, you know, John putting that prototype together so quickly and you guys all looking and saying, you know what, we really have something here. I mean, it speaks to your guys' passion. At the end of the day, it's your love for what you're doing, I think, that makes your campaign and at the end, your product stand apart from other stuff, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. We, uh, you know, we find ourselves out in our little parking lot behind our warehouse three or four times a week just playing around on, on our bike. You know, just kind of figuring out, oh, what if we did this? What if we added this? And, you know, we can do rapid prototype and design here. So the energy always stays up. And so we're always creating new stuff. And, and the team is, it's honestly a perfect group of, of us four that kind of fuel each other to um, keep creating and keep innovating.
2: Could you talk to some of the tech that's in the bike? Because when you look at it right off the bat, you know, you see a very unique design that's very, of course, obviously reminiscent of that dirt bike um, from the 70s without the actual engine, though. You know, you see this this gaping hole. You're wondering, where is all the technology in here? But it is packed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We definitely, uh, you know, for us, um, none of us are really bicycle enthusiasts, uh, <laughs> mostly out of just a lack of comfort that is that is found in bicycle seats. That's kind of the, the real of it. So when we created this, we're like, we want to do a two-wheeled electric vehicle, but we want to, uh, we want to build it around comfort and around design. And so obviously the 70s mini bike was exactly what we wanted. But we said, now that we have this frame design, and it's basically a 60-pound frame, so we need a motor that can carry this kind of weight. So we talked to some friends in Nevada who have a battery company out there, and we were like, get us your most powerful uh, electric kit.
2: And, and not only do you do that, but you did that and I honestly don't even see where that where that is. I'm looking at a nice zoomed in shot of the bike here. I have no idea. I know I know because because you lay out obviously all the tech there. I know it's in the back wheel yeah. and in that casing. But how small is that?
1: Yeah, so we actually have we have a couple different versions. We have a mid drive which does have a tiny little motor in the middle of the bike. Um and that's the thousand watt one that we have right now. We're actually slowly transitioning to all hub drive because We found that there can be, you know, more ability to uh, pull performance out of it. But that motor is actually centered around the back hub of the wheel. Um, So it, it sits in the center, and that will actually propel the wheel. So you don't need any, there's no middleman anymore. There's no chain that, you know, that needs to connect to the motor that connects to the wheel. We're going direct to the wheel.
3: But, Michael, when you think about it, you hear Mark's reaction right now. He's looking at this as we're doing the interview. He's dissecting the bike online, the look of it, and he can't see the tech. But, again, isn't this exactly what great technology is supposed to be? The technology is supposed Mm -hmm. to live in the background so the person, the, the user, can focus on the experience. And that's exactly what you guys have done here. People can focus on the aesthetic of the bike, how cool it looks, how great it rides, and not really have to worry about the tech. They just know that it's there.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's such a big point for us is, is not having to worry about what it is that's that's working in the bike. It's worrying more about, okay, well, I'm going to get to this destination, so let's go. You know, it's not, it's not. well, did I turn it up? Well, you know, do I have, am I going to be sweaty by the time I get there? It's literally hit that thumb throttle and you're off. There's no extra gearing because honestly, if, if you're cruising at this speed, you don't need gearing. Let's just go.
2: Let's talk about some of the actual you know delivery expectations because obviously the campaign being so successful, you have to ramp up. Mm-hmm. you know what what's the reaction been from people who have gotten behind the wheel of some of the prototypes? Um, what can people get today versus what they're going to be getting in the Kickstarter campaign?
1: Yeah, definitely. So when when we launched Kickstarter, we actually launched that um, a year ago and we received hundreds of orders. So those have been shipped out, and we're in the process of finally fulfilling, um, some of those last European orders. Our 1,000-watt bike is, is not necessarily looked on um, with loving eyes by the uh, people who make the regulations in Europe. Um, so that's been you know something that we've navigated. Um, but as, as we've kind of evolved as a company, we've thought, well, okay, there's different needs for different people. So th- what we've currently got on, what our pre-order campaign is right now, it's not on Kickstarter, it's actually on our website, is um, the Scout. So it's more of an entry-level vehicle for those who love the design and the functionality of the Super 73 but don't necessarily need or want or can afford that 1,000-watt motor.
3: Gotcha, gotcha. So basically the Scout has slightly less range, slightly less power. Obviously, you know, you said, like you said, it it, it helps, of course, keep the price down. But you guys also did a special version, correct? Is there a Rose Avenue Mm -hmm. version?
4: Yes,
1: yeah, yes. Yeah. So we actually partnered with Jesse Wellens on the Rose Avenue. Now, Jesse Wellens is a uh, YouTube creator. He's a YouTube oh, yeah. influencer, which, um, this, you know, it's, it's so funny to talk about in this day and age, but, um, you know, he kind of started on YouTube and, and that's where he found his place. And, um, he, he kind of dictates a lot of fashion and trends. Uh, he came to us very early on as a company, um, and said, listen, I love your guys' bikes. Um, I want to be riding them. Like I, I let's, let's let's work together and so it was really organic it was never any like you know of pushing on any side he was amped about the product so when we told him hey man we're actually doing a new bike he goes can i have a line (laughs) and when jesse wellens asks if he can design a line you know you say yeah um (laughs) so so yeah out of that came the uh rose avenue or the rose Ave bike uh that that bike um you're actually going to be seeing a video coming out pretty soon on his channel that talks about his build process, his design process, um, kind of how he decided what he wanted the bike to look like, right. um, and then how he really wanted it to be a lifestyle piece. It's not—it's not a bicycle. It's—it's—it's it's, it's an accessory to your daily life. He doesn't even own a car, um, so this thing is just how he gets around, and it's
4: also—it's
1: <laughs> played in, in in hand with how he's kind of you know out found dates with girls he he loves taking his bike out and he loves talking about that like all i gotta do is take the bike out and people just come up and talk to me um and we think that's super fun and uh and it's, it's a really cool it speaks to the design and the lifestyle side of it
3: Well, aside from that, aside from the aesthetic, the design aesthetic you guys are talking about with Jesse's influence, obviously, it also has a slightly top, higher top speed. If I'm not mistaken, it doubles the range Mm -hmm. in terms of the battery life. Correct. So, for only a few hundred dollars more, basically, you're getting a bike that gives you higher top end and doubles the range. Which is pretty good, and it's a really good value too.
1: Yeah, his, you know, and this comes into Jesse again. He's so great to work with. He goes, guys, listen, whatever it takes to get the most quality, the most performance. Let's just do it. Um, And that was so great to hear from him. It it wasn't a matter of like, he's not looking for numbers. He's not looking. He just wants to make a product that people love. So, yes, we put a 500 watt motor uh, in the back. It it goes 20 miles an hour uh, and the range is 40 miles, which is extreme. I mean, you're not going to go 40 miles in a week, which is awesome.
3: And I got to tell you, you, know what's really cool about this <clears throat> for a lot of us out there? And again, we've done some e-bike pieces before, and we've gotten our hands on some really nice e-bikes. But I, I hesitate. I don't even like putting this in the e-bike category. This is a great, cool bike that happens to have an electric motor in there with electric range. It's really neat. <laughs> and the, the aesthetic of it, and for someone like me, I'm looking at it thinking, you know what? I can feel maybe a little better riding this. It suits my style in terms of maybe how I want to be seen. Maybe I I, I gravitate more toward a motorcycle than necessarily a bicycle. So for people like that, you still have the advantage of having pedal power. You still have multiple levels of pedal assist. So if you want to ride it as you would a bicycle, you can. But if you don't want the stigma, like you said, you guys aren't bike guys. You're not bicycle guys. You're not bicycle people. Mm -hmm. So this tends to really appeal to, I think, a bigger market than just the e-bike market, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. You hit the you hit the nail on the head right there. We've had people who haven't ever rode bicycles. We've had people who haven't rode in 10, 15 years hop on this thing and be like this is this is for me. This is what I want. Um and it really started with like just us making something cool for ourselves. We said we love the idea of the bicycle. Uh we love the idea of a motorcycle. Can we do something that's kind of in between where we're not going to die but also we can be comfortable. Um, and so that's kind of where this thing was born out of, and, and it really is. It's it's about the functionality of being able to grab it and go. It's really cool to see, um, you know, a girl five feet five, uh, hasn't rode a bike since she was a kid, hop on it and tear away. That's cool, being able to make a product that can uh, provide that sort of freedom. It's exciting for us.
2: Well, you know, you're describing me right there, minus the whole girl part. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, five foot five. It's been
1: me too. yeah,
2: it's five. You know, five foot five. Haven't ridden a bike in probably about 10, 15 years. I keep saying I need to get yeah. another bike so that my kids, you know, start to ride and stuff like that. But here's my here's my conundrum: is I go I go out and I get this bike, and then my son sees it, and then he'll learn how to ride a bike within fifteen <laughs> seconds, and he'll be like yeah. gone, and I'll never see him again. Yep,
1: we <laughs> we get that a lot. We get people purchasing a bike. And three days later, they're coming back and purchasing another um, because they're like, well, you know, my wife wants it or my husband wants it or my kids took it. um, So I need to get a couple more. But the Scout, it's so great. We've realized the Scout is such a family bike. We've got people buying four and five at a time because they're like, well, the price is so it's so low. It's such a good value. Um, Let's just outfit the whole family.
3: Well, the great thing is that people go, and I encourage people to go to lithiumcycles.com. You can learn the story of this great company. Uh, you can learn all the, and I love how, you know, we get to meet all the people online in the About Us section. You you guys really laid out a really great webpage, which in this day and age really is important because that's how, when businesses are online, that's how people interface and interact with companies now. So they have a great website. You can learn all about what they do. And I like how you guys are incentivizing early purchases because this is sort of harkens back almost to what Kickstarter was like where if you buy by a certain mm-hmm. date. So if I'm not mistaken, until if you buy before August tenth, you can get a Super Seventy three Scout for nine ninety five, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you get the Rose Ave edition, that's only thirteen ninety five. And again with the longer range, more power. So after those dates, the the prices go back up to the regular MSRP, which is twelve ninety nine and what? Sixteen ninety nine respectively, correct? Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. And and we, we like Oh, sorry, go for it. No, 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 we're good. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, we like being able to uh, incentivize the early orders. One, because um, it kind of lights to fire under people. It gets people excited to have the product. We want people to love having our bike. And so uh, by getting those early adopters, we actually have an awesome network of creative people, of consumers, of of, of users who uh, <clears throat> live and breathe the the Super 73 brand. We have Facebook groups out there for uh, exclusive to super 73 owners. Um, and it's just a steady stream of content every day, posting photos and videos from their adventures. So we really like to encourage that sort of, um, passion, which is why we do the, uh, thank you for buying early kind of a thing.
3: No, it's great. You guys, you know, you guys did exactly what you want, which is you didn't just create a product. You're creating a whole culture based on a brand around the product. And visually, this thing is so stunning. Now, now, Michael, you promised me I get to ride on one of these things, right? I'm going to hold you to that. I'm coming
1: up. Just you say the word. I'm going to come up, and, and uh, we'll do some test riding.
3: <laughs> well, that, that's, what, so that's another thing I wanted to stress. This is, a, this is a U.S.-based company. They're actually in Orange County in Tustin, California. The production is there. Everybody's there. I, I cannot wait for you guys to come up here. Just remember, Woodland Hills is hot, man, so make sure you bring your shorts and your tube top. You're not going to want to wear something heavy right. here. Roger that. All right, maybe no tube top, but the shorts you're definitely going to want to wear. So he is Michael <laughs> Canavo. He's the co-founder of Lithium Cycles. It. We're so happy that you joined us today. And we're looking. I'm looking forward to that ride, and I am looking forward to talking to you again because, again, this is a constant evolution of product and price and merchandise. So we're looking forward to what you guys bring us next, and we look forward to having you back on.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And thank you guys
2: for being here on this week's edition of Your Tech Report. Uh, don't forget to check out YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report for that Apple Watch Series 2 giveaway. They- exclusive here to Your Tech Report for the next couple weeks. Uh, thank you to everybody who was on this week's show, Smart Nora, based in Toronto. Check out smartnora.com, Lithium Cycles, of course, and Waze. You can't leave home without Waze, I promise you. Uh, on behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, I am Marco Flallow. Thanks again for joining us. Click to yourtechreport.com, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report.
0: You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition, and be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at report com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on Facebook.com slash your tech report for the latest in breaking tech news and reviews. Your techreport.com Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana.
1: I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kandel from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod Six One Seven, the Boston Podcast Network, and I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts.